One Shining Podcast is heading to my home of North Carolina for a live show in Durham before the Carolina Duke game, and that is going to be a great time. OSP and special guests will be at the Carolina Theater in Durham on March 8th at 8 p.m. Doors will be opening at 7 p.m. Myself and Kyle will be in North Carolina. My family's very excited, Kyle. They're excited to give you the full tour of North Carolina. We're going to go to Chapel Hill. We'll go to Durham. We'll even walk around Duke's campus because we're trying to be fair and balanced here. So we'll have a good time. Tickets are available at carolinatheater.org as well via the link in the episode description. Of course, that is theater to spell T-H-E-A. T-R-E, carolinatheater.org. Again, we'll be in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater of Durham on Friday, March 8th at 8 p.m. And you can get your tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we've got Kyle Mann on the show for a president's uh, special uh, holiday edition of Manic Monday. We're going to talk about basketball. Yes, it is an existential crisis as Adam Silver finally told us that the war against college basketball is over. We'll talk about Kyle Mann's trip to Indy and all he saw there and uh, sort of the fallout from the All-Star All -Star game. We'll also talk about the committee putting together the top 16 seeds and deciding that Purdue was the number one team in the country before UConn absolutely demolished Marquette and Purdue fell to Ohio State. We'll talk about the good. We'll talk about the bag. Of course, we're talking about Kentucky shutting down the jungle and we'll talk about the ugly. Again, UConn sent a message to the rest of the country. We're also talking about Rick Patino, who decided to throw his entire team under the bus in his post-game press conference after the Seton Hall game. So uh, that is a lot to digest and a lot to dive into. So we'll get into all of that. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? Not much. Got my dad driving down from Poughkeepsie uh, to go check on Rick and Queens, but uh, <laughs> I'm awaiting his text. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the time out. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Monday night, February 19th. There is a lot happening in college basketball right now. Virginia struggling at Virginia Tech getting absolutely blown out in that game. Colgate just won the Patriot League regular season. They're going to be the one seed for the fifth time in six seasons. But Kyle Mann is joining me, and he just survived NBA All-Star Weekend. So I want to start there. Um, are you okay? A lot of people are upset about the state of the game after watching the All-Star game on Sunday night, Kyle Mann. How are you right now? 
There was a lot of drama, right? I mean, and <laughs> so then much the, drama. I just God, I know we'll get into some of the details of the conversations that went on, but there was a lot of belly aching in the building when I was there. Uh, I mean, to start off, uh, I mean, in Indy in and of itself was great. Like I felt like the layout of everything was great. People, the Pacers fans are obviously in a great mood, so they were out high fiving, rubbing elbows. Right happy to be there the vibes were immaculate <laughs> on that front yeah. but we got uh we basically got like a like a stephen king level blizzard that like you know trapped everybody like in one place and i was afraid you know supernatural things were about to uh unfold at, at the sheraton but uh people were like all trapped in the same hotel bar which can lead to like really interesting scenes sometimes mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever been a part of that but uh <laughs> yeah like a freaking Ar- arctic squall I was going to go up and see Flory Badunga for the pod, you know, for yeah. our, you know, boots on the ground. Go see what was that. going on and got snowed in, man. But uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of just a lot of complaining around going on. Yeah. The players looked upset. Uh, the media was upset. They were tweeting about how they need to have the All-Star game, uh, you know, in more, you know, I guess places that you want to be. I don't even know how to frame it because Indian people get up so upset. But like you said, they know how to put on a basketball event. They do the final four grade, uh, the all-star setup. It sounds like a great setup minus the weather. Um, but then last night we had the existential crisis of, you know, the, the, the big J's, the David Aldridge's of the world um, that are coming out and they're saying, where is the game? I love what is happening to the game. Uh, where are we as a country? Now we have Adam silver talking about how he needs to address AA, you, uh, the G League oh. at night might be over with. The war against college basketball might be over. It just felt like basketball as a whole in America domestically had an existential crisis in the heartland of basketball in Hoosier State, and you were there, boots on the ground. So uh, did it feel that way? Did, did it feel like an anxiety was in the air? Because that's how it looked and felt from, you know, 3,000 miles away here in Los Angeles. All the like tertiary stuff, like, you know, Silver's comments and things like that, that all sort of obviously bubbled up afterwards. And I was just like, Jesus, I, there was some of the social stuff I didn't catch because I was in the arena at the time and I saw after the fact. But um, yeah, just speaking to the event itself, I mean, people like at the dunk contest were, I mean, people at the dunk contest were just bitter <laughs> in a bad mood. It, it was, the, I, I would describe <laughs> the, the in arena atmosphere. We weren't even close. I could send you a picture of how, and it was still, it was like vitriolic up there. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, I was mortified for him when he did the like <laughs> drunken stumble after that dunk and then tried to do the D Brown. I was like, dude, Oof. hunt the D Brown. You can't do it. At, you can't sneak it in. He looked like a kid trying to di- dive at the last minute. Like off I thought he was dabbing. Board. I'm not going to lie. I literally <laughs> thought it was a dab. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, you should have is... played it off like that. That's what he should have done. <laughs> it was dabbing. not good. <laughs> sort of the kidding. George Costanza, I was in the pool or something. I don't know. It was uh, it was weird. Uh, and then the three point competition. Um, the Sabrina Steph thing was the most exciting concept of the night. And just the little taste that we got. I know it's a college show and people are probably like, shut up about this, but we'll tie to the other broader basketball stuff. But like, we're talking about basketball. And like I said, this was a, this felt like all of basketball, all eyes were on the All Star game. Cause then you had college people that were like, see, this is why I hate the NBA. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and you and I it deal was with that, that kind shit of all the time. Right. So yeah, we, I was just like, <laughs> God bless. Uh, I, I'm always trying to like just bring people Fight to the Jesus good fight. on that stuff. Right. Uh, but uh, this was not, this made our jobs harder <laughs> for sure. Um, as people who like both, we both, mm-hmm. we love both, you know? Yeah. You can do both, guys. Um, and like 
they should have been more creative with that event. We were kind of talking about it in the in our section about like they should have just done some. These are two of the best shooters in the world. You know, their their gender really doesn't even. I, they set out to prove a point by the way that they orchestrated it. I was like, we should have taken it a step further. Like there was some Japanese game show. I'd have to dig this up where I think MJ was on it. Have you ever seen this where they had like these weird novelty kind of setup hoops that were like moving or like it, they should have done something really really off the wall creative. Yeah. Had them both shoot at the same time and like, I don't know. Kind of like a, a skills th- challenge, like, you know, mass as a shooting competition. And yeah, it did feel like kind of flat, you know what I mean? Especially one round, um, especially when Sabrina goes first and she kind of set the score for Steph, which is, you know, like exactly what he needed. He had a number in mind, so it did. And then also if you're Steph just on his face, you could see it's like, am I supposed to win this? Like, should I try to? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like he was in a lose-lose situation. And then you throw in the fact that Reggie Miller and Kenny Smith obviously were mad at each other before they got on the air. It <laughs> sounds... They just argued with each other over top of the entire process, which, I mean, it was all just very clunky, uh, the, the whole experience. I mean, from sitting at home watching on television, like, I was like, this is supposed to be this beautiful moment, and it is just absolutely abysmal. I mean, yeah. it, it was not pretty. Kenny, I, I mean, I appreciated that Reggie was so honest. I mean, that was at least an interesting exchange. I mean, if you want to just be like, what's entertaining? I mean, we're talking about it, I guess, at the end of the day. I mean, and you're trying to like, you're trying to squeeze juice out of like, you know, a, a, a walnut. Like, it's just kind of like, you're, you're not like the, the all-star game is just, it's not maybe what we want it to be. I, I think that just as it's evolved and like the sort of players as brands and players protecting themselves at all times or just thinking of their thinking of every move they make as like weighing the risk reward of it and things like that. I was talking to somebody who was close to the situation with the dunk contest um, and t- with one of the players. And he was just saying that they did reach out to Shaden and, and John Moran and Anthony Edwards and that they all said no. And then you get the situation with like Jalen, like, I don't know if Darnell Hillman was like, you know, in the bag or something or like what the deal was with that. Like, I don't mean drunk, but I mean, just like he had some interest in getting Jalen. I don't know. Maybe he had something against Jacob that Jacob wasn't like a real. I, who knows? Conspiracy I, I, think, I think it was like he was an all star, right? That That's how it felt from the outside looking. In. It was like Jalen was an all star. So they're trying to encourage other all stars to participate. So therefore, if he's going to precipitate as the only all star, we're going to get him to the final of the competition. It just happened that Jalen had more theatrics than actual dunks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, the, the Michael Jackson glove, I mean, I am, I almost fell out of my seat. I, I was like, this can't be real. Well, I would say, I didn't know if we were seeing it the same way. I thought he was doing that because of the things about his left hand dribbling the ball. Okay, yeah, okay. I, 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 I think, thought you were, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I read it that way. I, I just thought... um if you're if you're setting out to get these stars to participate, this went as poorly as it could have gone. Because I right. don't know if this was played in the broadcast, but like <laughs> his when he heard the boos after the after <laughs> one of his dunks, he made a face and like looked up at the jumbotron like he was like, What? He was like genuinely shocked. He didn't understand why. It just put him in a bad situation. Like Jacob Toppin did an against the grain 360 that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I, it one of the most beautiful dunks of the night, and it was just it was really really bizarre. And then the game itself, I just don't know if it's ever going to be inter- entertaining. I don't know if we're like fighting a losing battle by trying to get it there. I will say that like Rob Mahoney and I were like we we debate things frequently. We're great friends, but we <laughs> debate, and we argue, and I I vehemently disagree with him about the the floor. I. I actually kind of like the floor. I thought the green, the green was, a, you know, the like the, uh, the, yeah, the starry glowing yeah, the star thing was, was a little, little bit we- too much. Yeah. 
Starry's. I, like I have Starry. no problem with them. I was just saying they're they're very out there. They're like yeah. rookie season Donovan Mitchell. They're very available. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like they're just they can be found pretty easily. And I just I thought the floor was kind of entertaining. I w- I hope it wasn't like slick. I got a little worried at one point with I think it was like Hawkes or somebody. But um, I thought the floor was kind of cool. I didn't mind it. Like you know. Yeah, Jalen. Where were you Browns, on the floor? Jalen Brown said it was slick, uh, which Ooh. I thought was a nice. Uh, that was a nice, like, sly way to kind of have something to blame. It just felt off uh, the dunk contest in general, and then also Mac McClung. I I feel for Mac McClung because you can tell, like, he really just wants to play in the NBA, right? I mean, and then they were like, "Hey, maybe you'll come back next year and be our dunker again." And he's like, "I'm I'm not sure I'm gonna sign up to do this again." And it puts him in an awkward spot because they can't say like, "Hey, congratulations to the Orlando Magic," right? They have to say the G League affiliate. And then his his winning dunk is a dunk over Shaq, which in a vacuum that sounds really cool. But then Hami Hake has already dunked over Shaq in the other round, you know what I mean? So that kind of took some of the allure away from the situation. I mean, that was, it it just was a lot of things happened in order where it was just like, ugh, like I I just don't feel good about this. I got some intel. I didn't know if you got the similar intel. I got some intel that he, he had planned the Shaq dunk and that there was actually a shot. I don't know if I'm maybe connecting dots and creating, uh, creating a a constellation where there isn't one here, but like there was a shot of him after Jaime's dunk where he had this look on his face, like, oh man, like, uh, and he just went ahead and did it anyway, I guess maybe, but, um, yeah, man, it, it just, I don't know. I had a great time. It, It was, it was nice to, it was a good event. I have no problem. It was it was some of the coldest weather. I had to like walk from the credential office. Like, what was me? But like, uh, I did find twenty dollars on my walk. That was pretty amazing. But no, cool. uh, I, in the in the cold, dude. Like, Lucas Oil's just massive. You know, they had it split in half. It wasn't like an NCAA in the tournament where they didn't have it split in half. Did mm-hmm. you see any of the, in the tournament games that were in Lucas Oil? Yeah, I, I saw the UCLA game. Uh, I, I saw the Jalen suck shot. Uh, ridiculous. Should, should have been one of the most electric atmospheres ever, but instead it was just like media members and everyone's like, whoa, <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, it's a really big building. But uh, yeah, it was I, I did a lot of I did I had some college basketball. I, maybe we can get to that. But uh, it was I, I dabbled on all fronts basketball this weekend. I'm not troubled. Troubled. I mean, do you want to talk about like the, the Adam Silver comments at all? Or what, what do you think? Well, I just think the world in college basketball is over. I mean, Adam Silver, when they had the G League night, there was all this hoopla about college basketball is dead. There's an avenue for these guys to go and play for the Ignite. And, you know, you don't even have to worry about college basketball. We saw it last year with Scoot versus Wimby. Uh, When they played out in Las Vegas, it was like, this is the game that matters. You know, we're past the Palo versus Chet times. We're in this new age. And with NIL, as much as NIL is much maligned and everybody's upset about NIL and uh, how it's impacting college sports in general, it has gotten the NBA off the scent. It has gotten them off the corner. And it it seems like they're waving the white flag where they're like, okay, college basketball, that's a great opportunity. Good luck, you guys. You guys can do that. Now our next focus, our next frontier, our next domain to dominate is AAU. We we have a new, um, you know, kind of terrain that we're going to focus on. And I think these AAU coaches who have been living in the wild, wild west, um, they they probably, in, in terms of basketball recognition, I think this was a point where they're all saying, oh, no, uh, here comes the NBA because they're going to start dealing with 12 to 15 year olds. And that's going to be a whole new market, which is insane. Yeah, it, it's just an interesting sort of squeeze on the college game where I think, um, you know, uh, the NBA's already kind of been on this corner. You you and I have talked, I've expressed my disbelief about the fact that like they're like co- they're high school 
I mean, EYBL was on the NBA League Pass half. I, right. I think that, the you know, we may have been trending this way. And for Silver to make the comments that he did, um, I, don't, I don't have the, the exact language in front of me, but I mean, it was basically like expressing, you know, it, he, was, he was stating an incoming total reevaluation of it, which I don't think he would have said that if they weren't. I mean, do, do you agree with me? I, I mean, it, it seems like this is... That was just the informal way of saying that, like, this is over. We're not doing this anymore, right? I yeah, mean, he, ba- you- he basically said, I'm not sure what the future of Team Ignite will be and that the focus is turning to earlier development of those players. And he's basically alluding to the fact of NBA academies, which is kind of what the overseas model is, right? I mean, that that's, that's what the focus is going to be, more focused on practice, less of a focus on games. Um, and they have a common interest in just improving the game in general. And I think that's sort of the takeaway and why it kind of is all encompassing in back basketball is because there's a storm coming. And I think everybody that is a fan, and I joke about my nationalistic outlook on USA basketball, but everybody can see the storm coming. Like the dominance is going to end. You've won four straight gold medals. Uh, you know, we've kind of been resting on our laurels a little bit, but when you see Jokic and you see Luca and you see Victor Wimbanyama and even Rudy Gobert is going to be defensive player of the year again you see the writing on the wall of what's coming and I think all of these coaches in America as the new guard is coming in and we're losing the old guard of coaches they're all saying we're not prepared uh we have not been preparing these guys and now we're asking them to fight a battle that they're not prepared to fight and all the international guys are like I'm ready to fight. Like, let's do it. Like, we're ready to roll. Um, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been gearing up for since, you know, uh, Sabonis, Arvidas Sabonis was playing, uh, you know, late in his career in the NBA. So I just think that that sort of anxiety and that reality is hitting everybody. And now everybody's scrambling to figure out what they're going to do. And college, um, you know, is sort of this in this middle ground, you know, they're kind of the middle child of basketball. Nobody knows how to deal with them. And now you got old guys kind of running college basketball. It's not the one and done's running college basketball. So it's a different game. So they're just trying to go to the different playground and, and, and figure it out. And we don't have the five-star basketball camp. We don't have ABCD camp. We don't have these, you know, coaches running camps that are actually teaching fundamentals across the country. Uh, we have specific trainers that are teaching guys in and outs. And, and yeah. that's, you know, what, what the old school coaches are ripping their hair about. And I think there's um, some sort of middle ground there between the training and the fundamental teaching of the game and the coaching but we got to just figure it out because, uh, you know, the, the European players are coming. Africa, I mean, good God, what they're investing in NBA Africa and the BAL and the talent that's going to come out of there. It's just we can all see what's going to happen. And I think and, everyone's trying to find the answer. Yeah. And those paths are proven. I mean, basketball mm-hmm. without borders in and of itself has produced. I mean, like Embiid was attracted to that event when he couldn't even dribble. I mean, you can go find the footage. It's out there, well documented. And then you got Pascal Siakam. I mean, like it's it's already kind of in place, like we said. And a lot of you're you're talking about if people you're aware of this, maybe not everybody is, but like these academies are already they're well underway. And I, th- I think they're they're sort of like it's a work in progress. It's not like a long time established thing, but it, it's been interesting for me too to like think about. Um, you know, the, the Ignite, and I said this when I went, you know, that like the few times that I went to their, like, I think it's like the dollar or whatever that arena is over there in Henderson, Nevada. Um, they were trying to sort of push it as this thing. Henderson's pretty far off the strip. So you got to mm-hmm. think like, okay, that community of Henderson, how into basketball are they to begin with? I know it's like a way for them to get away and train and things like that. But I think you weigh that against like, okay, 
it's very contingent on the quality of the personnel that they have there, the guys that are going to develop them. And that's not like saying that they're not quality, but um, you can go and get really quality coaching other places. But I think the stimulating like atmosphere of the college environment on a competitive front does have value. I do think that it does. I think that guys, and if you go to, um, you know, they play 30 games in college, right? It's like the, the, the games in and of themselves, they're not getting like drowned with games. But I just think, I went and visited that arena and I was like, who's going to care about these games? It's, and I think that that is kind of like a pervasive feeling when you're there. Like they've tried to market it as like, I, you could kind of see their ambition from, have you ever been to see a D league game at that arena? No, I haven't been, but I mean, I watched obviously Scoop play Wimby, but that was the only game I've seen at the arena. I saw when they were building the arena out there. I mean, the Raiders were building their facility as well. I mean, Henderson's got, you know, it's like owning and popping now with all these, I mean, they thought they were getting a baseball team out there as well. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, they have put in the investment in it and they thought it was going to be big time, but they forgot about the one special sauce of college sports in general. You're going to say the thing I was going to say, but go ahead, please. It, no, yeah. but it's, it's, it's fans. It's tradition. Yeah. It's, it's, it actually matters to you. It's a part of your life. Like you and I know this by being, you know, fans of blue bloods and being attached to blue bloods and growing up where we grew up. But when North Carolina loses a game, you know, I lose a, a day, you know what I mean? Maybe multiple <laughs> days. I mean, and then that's how you just got to build that into your schedule. Like if, if we lose <laughs> right. this, I better not have an important meeting or right. a project that day. You know, exactly. it's kind of a recover. It's like Monday. It's like <laughs> nobody's going to answer the email on Monday. If we lose no answered emails, no, you know, that's the way it is in these here parts. And there's more people that care about these college teams and these college programs and their success than they do about some professional enterprise. And that is the biggest existential threat at the end of the day that will be to the NBA. The more that college becomes professional basketball and the more that it becomes basically an ABA alternative and these guys are going to turn into professional players and they're going to turn into professional teams, they're going to be a direct competitor to the NBA. And now you have a situation where you have to curtail the whole experience and say, okay, should we all be under the same umbrella? Is this a semi-pro thing? Like, what, what what are the lines of deviations between the two? Because guess what? If if someone in North Carolina has a choice between North Carolina basketball and the Charlotte Hornets, I hate to say what the what the answer is going to be. Or Duke basketball and the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> There's your answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and where is their money going to go? So... I, I just think there's a lot happening in basketball from the business side and the business side is kind of boring and bogged you down a little bit, but it does affect the actual game itself. And the all-star game is the perfect example of like the business and the networking and the events take so much away from the game that when these guys get on the court to actually play the game, they're like zombies. They're like, I want to be on a break. Uh, instead, I'm going to have an Invesco meeting and I got to go sign autographs for Panini and I got to go to this place that my agents tell me to go. And then in between, I have to come out here and they roll me out like a circus animal. So yeah. I understand why the, the players feel how they feel. Um, so it's just like a it's just an at large disconnect. But I, I don't know what the fix is, like you said, because we're all kind of banging the same drum. Uh, but there's really no answer. Yeah, it's speaking to like what I was saying about like the G League Ignite Arena and just like the the level of interest. And you could see I, even the, the first time I went in there, I was like, this isn't going to work. I mean, I mean, I knew I figured like they could continue to support the team and it could be there. But like in terms of like rousing a fan interest in it, I just didn't see it. And then you compare that to this weekend. I was at Assembly Hall at, at in Bloomington in an IU game when they played Northwestern that didn't go well. But uh their fans, which is that's built into what I'm talking about, is like they haven't had a season that's been like spectacular and their fans still showed up 
I mean, they were rowdy. They were ready to go. Mm -hmm. And you just think about like, you compare those two things. I do think that there's value. I don't think you can argue against like competitive basketball having value in a guy's like penultimate year before he comes to the NBA. If you think about like Luka Doncic in like the, the Euro League as an 18-year-old, getting that competitive experience, I guess it's just the stuff around the games, you know. Maybe we need to address just how many, maybe it is just focused on what happens before college that the guys are just being trotted out in too many like low stakes, meaningless games. And I've heard a lot of coaches say this too, that th they have a problem to address in terms of like certification, the quality of the mm. coaches, that maybe in like the USA basketball it needs to be addressed. Address. I don't know if you've ever heard a coach say anything about that, but I have heard that from some people who, who know what they're talking about. Well, and that's why the AAU kind of gets the bad rap, but there are some coaches that take advantage of that system. And if the NBA does really get into that pool and starts like basically doing the accreditation and placing the coaches there and putting them in pipeline, I mean, it is going to be uh, fascinating to see like how it all plays out. And then you have to factor in what you and I both know, all these shoe brands, they're already in the pools. They've already found the channels. They already have their setup and their situation. Now they're introducing their other business partner, the NBA. Not all of them have contracts with the NBA. Obviously, Nike's the one that does. So <clears throat> it's a bit of a mess. Uh, we could talk about, uh, put you it know, mildly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we could talk about it for, for days on days. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk about the committee. They put out their top 16 seeds. We're going to talk about UConn being the undisputed number one team in the country and Purdue, uh, with the big upset. You saw it uh, in Assembly Hall. You saw the reaction from all the Indiana Hoosiers fans. So we'll talk about that. We'll be right back. College basketball season is heating up and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the action. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 bet wins. That is $150 extra bucks to bet anything from point spreads to money lines to who's going to win it all right now. If you go to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can look at all the futures for the Final Four. And uh, UConn, like I said, if you think they're going to make the Final Four, you might as well take them to win the national championship because when they get there, they win the whole thing. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join the now the app is easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash OSP and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 or older in president-select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, coming back, uh, basketball still does exist. Uh, and there is a committee in Indianapolis that is meeting that is trying to figure out the top 16 seeds. And they put out the top 16 seeds on CBS on Saturday. And I'll read them out to you. Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, the four one seeds. Carolina, the first two seed. Tennessee, Marquette, Kansas, the other two seeds. Then we got Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke as the three seeds. Then Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, and Wisconsin as the four seeds. Uh, there was a lot of people that did the eyebrow raise when they saw Wisconsin there. Wisconsin, uh, famously number six in the country not too long ago based on the AP, but they have been on a precipitous fall over the past couple of weeks, uh, San Diego State is rising at the moment. Iowa State is a team that a lot of people love right now. Um, and there was a lot of conversation just about the top 16 seeds in general, especially Purdue being the overall number one seed. And this came out right before UConn smacked Marquette, the number four seed, uh, you know, the, the number four team in the country based on the AP poll by 28 points. And uh, what were your thoughts when you just saw UConn absolutely obliterate this team? Did you say that, that obviously these are the number this is the number one team in the country? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it, it honestly just kind of solidified the feelings that were already there even more. I think I just dug in. I think everybody did. We're not unique in thinking that. But like, 
man, oh man, they just, uh, I, I think they're just sort of like cumulative aggression and sort of confidence is just really, really like oozing off the, off the screen, you know, like they've mm-hmm. totally obviously taken, taken on the, the personality of Hurley. I mean, in, in the pure basketball sense, just watching them, they really, really, and I kind of talked about this a, a couple weeks ago when they, we talked about them. They are balancing the fact that they have athletes that can get to the rim. They have that presence of Klingon. Obviously, they can get those easy buckets. They have some creators and Newton and in Castle is sort of fledgling and coming around and starting to show some things. Uh, and then they just have that. They balance that. And so, a lot, few teams have this many things, that, these few wrinkles in one place, in one package. You know, there's some we could talk about who we think you and I had a conversation about who could potentially get them on any given day. But the other thing, too, is just the shooting, man. When you balance it with the fact that like Cam Spencer and uh, Alex Caravan, like, man, they when they screen for each other. Defenses just don't know what to do because mm-hmm. they're really, really t- frantic and, and terrified of these two guys. And then they get these like cut. I, I sent this stat to you that like in cutting actions, uh, UConn's field goal percentage is seventy three point two percent. So that's uh, that's pretty high for anybody that that may not have an idea of what that means. That's that's extremely ridiculously high. And they and then they balance it and they have athletes and they guard. So I I don't know. Yeah, them kicking the crap out of market. Did you think it would be that bad? I mean, were you surprised by like? It was a home game for them, but I don't know. Is the distance between them and Marquette that wide, do you think? I just felt like this was a payback for last year from the Big East tournament, and uh, Dan Hurley feels like he doesn't forget any sort of slight, and uh, for whatever reason, he felt like uh, this was the game to send a message to the rest of the country. I'm not sure. I asked Luke Murray if they knew that the committee had said Purdue was the number one overall seed before that game tipped. He did not give me a straight answer on that, but I do feel like they got that information just with the way that they played, and Cam oh, Spencer. I mean, they, yeah, they were pissed. I mean, Cam Spencer, he embodies Dan Hurley on the court and I mean he wants to send Ben Gold like out of the gym I mean he's like get out of here like look at the scoreboard I mean <laughs> it was just like some ultimate FU asshole moments that you have nothing but respect for especially like when someone's beating you that bad I mean even after the game I thought Shaka Smart um, he had a great quote and I, I wrote it down he said quote the thing that makes them great is there's zero entitlement with their team no one cares who scores no one cares who gets the credit and I think that is the fascinating part like they run every play with a purpose that everything that they do is purposeful. And when they make a mistake, they react, even if they're up 20, the same way they would, if they're up two. and it's scary to watch and they're relentless and it just keeps coming in waves and waves and waves. And the attitude just adds like another layer to this team, the toughness because of their attitude. I mean, you feel like Cam Spencer has been there for five years. I mean, this guy's yeah. a transfer and he just has the heart of the team. He fits right in. And you know what's crazy, man, is they hit 11 threes in this game and it didn't really feel like they were like heavily relying on the three. I mean, I know they Mm -hmm. went 11 for 30, but it just kind of felt like there was no there was no avenue for Marquette to take that was going to be a great advantage. So 36.7 (laughs) percent and only 12 free throws. So, I mean, it was just kind of an ass kicking in all the areas that are pretty reliable and simple. Um, Yeah, I I, the question that I was going to ask you is um, my mind just got thinking like, could this team have beaten last year's team? I mean, I don't know. I mean, last year's team had, you know, the, I don't know if they have like a big physical defender in quite the same way as Andre Jackson. And Hawkins obviously is a really special shooter. But uh, what do you think about that? They feel like they have a 
more dominant feeling earlier in the season than last year's team. It it feels like they're just more connected as a group earlier. Like last year, it was still the the pieces were all coming together. And by the time that, you know, we got during the run, the stretch run of the season, it was like, wow, this this looks like a juggernaut. And when they lost in the Big East tournament to Marquette, um, there was a sense of shock from the everyone, everybody in that game. You know what I mean? And Jackson had some foul trouble in that game. So there were some things that you could you could kind of write off for as to why it happened. But um, I think it's a fair question. I think we're at the point where we have to have that because this is the first time that UConn's been a unanimous number one team uh, based on the AP voters for the first time in program history. So we're just knocking on, you know, we keep knocking down different doors for like what this team is going to do. And Dan Hurley still has this kind of sick mission of like, impressing his will on the Big East to be like, I am the top dog here. I told you to get me now. And now look at us. Look at look at where we are. We're on the mountaintop and nobody's taking it away. And it's a it's it's a sickness. Like I mean the I guy, feel like the guy's sick in like, the head. <laughs> I feel like that would be a good name for his autobiography, a sick mission, Dan the Dan <laughs> Hurley story. Yeah. He's he's a sick, he's a sick individual. He's obsessed with every single thing they do on a basketball court. And I have nothing but respect for it. I, I really like as I watch them play. Even Shaka Smart after the game is like, I have such respect for the way that they play basketball. Like, we deserve to get our ass kicked today. These guys executed at a different level. And when Klingon plays like he did in this game, like he looks healthy and he looks more nimble and more mobile and more athletic. I mean, he had a clean Kong like slam in this game where you're like, oh, uh, that looks like the Klingon I saw last year, you know, yeah. in flashes. Um, and they have a nice two headed monster with Johnson behind him coming off the bench. DR is hitting threes. So now you actually have to, you know, close out on him. Uh, Castle is a guy that is now becoming more and more reliable as a scorer. I mean, just the more that you talk about this team and you see the ways, the ways that they can dominate a game, it, it's really scary. I mean, it truly Castle. is for everybody else. Castle almost feels like passive income at this point. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you, it feels like this team is like, yeah, we got a great living wage. And then and then we got this extra money that is just kind of like sitting over there that is just making us wealthy, basically. Like Castle, Castle could level up. And I think that's the most devastating thing about them is that like they have this crazy sort of schematic system thing that works, this sort of like circuitous kind of thing like I was talking about with the shooting and the pressure that they pull in the back cutting but then they have these guys that like let's say on a given night maybe that's not functioning as well they have the guys like Newton and Castle and Diara coming on now who can kind of create and that's just like a real that balance is just really really tricky and and you know like it, it on a given night I think you you and I said that like five five teams like I mean like I was trying to think of um you know I I do think that like not blowing smoke, but I, I think Carolina on a given night could like get them. Um, like it, they're capable of it. I'm not saying it could happen. Um, well, they, well, they I don't played even... them. They played them well until about eight minutes ago in the first go round, and then you could just tell that there were different levels to to the teams at the time, right? So I mm -hmm. mean, you you can compete with them to a certain point, but then all of a sudden, you know, they stretched that game out. Cam Spencer did, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think they have the horses. Yeah, uh, I mean, Houston maybe could defend them and, like, pull the game into... I just don't know that the Purdue... Muck. I hate to say it. I'm sorry, Purdue fans. But, I mean, I just I hate to say it, but I just don't know that Purdue's athleticism on the perimeter um, would hold up. Like, And, and mm -hmm. I know that, like, they would be able to play fast and maintain their defensive integrity in the way that I don't think Purdue would be able to. Um, like, I, I feel like some of the stressors on Purdue are kind of starting to show a little bit in that Ohio State game that we can talk about a little more. But they're still a good team. I'm not, like, saying, like, throw them out. But, like, uh, 
UConn just, I don't know how anybody that watches college basketball with a straight face could put Purdue over UConn at this point. Well, the committee did it on Saturday, and then they followed up, Purdue did, on Sunday. Let's talk about the good, because the good guys of the week, uh, Matt Painter's Purdue crew, they lose at Ohio State. Jake Diebler, his first game as the interim coach, gets a win over the number two team in the country, which is a, a great start, to say the least. And if you watch this game, uh, you know you, you can have a lot of takeaways from this one. But in general, Zed Key just did a great job against Zach Eady, you know, to, to kind of put it into perspective, especially defending him with his hands every oh, single yeah. time that Zach Eady brought the ball down to his numbers Zed Key had a hand in there and was swatting the ball away and when that happens and that's on Eady a little bit by bringing the ball down to him but when he has a smaller guy that is athletic and long he has problems against those guys and Zed Key was kind of the the perfect kryptonite for him in this game and we've said this before and every time I talk about Purdue and I talk to Purdue fans the reason why it's hard to trust Purdue is because they have a small margin of error and when they and when they get into situations where they turn the ball over, it creates a game where they are matched up mano a mano, and those extra three, four, five possessions that would typically give them a win get taken away. They get in trouble. We saw it last year in the NCAA tournament when they lost the FDU. What did Braden Smith do? He had seven turnovers in that game. He had seven points, seven turnovers. What happened when they lost to North Texas? Right, uh, Jaden Ivey had zero turnovers in that game, but Brandon Newman had I think three or four turnovers in that game. I mean, the guards struggled in that game. Zach Eady turned the ball over in that game. When Purdue turns the ball over, there's a very small margin of error with this team. And I feel like Ohio State kind of poked that pressure point in this game. They struggled. Eady struggled turning the basketball over. Uh, I've seen Purdue fans talking about that he was getting fouled and things like that. But in the NCAA tournament, there's always going to be certain plays that are subjective, especially when you have a big man like him and he's worried about foul trouble against a little guy like Zed Key. But I just feel like Ohio State kind of kind of poked at a wound that we all know about this team. And we saw it in real time again. And that's why the concern there is right, you know, in some sense, because you could see it on display again. And, you know, Lance Jones couldn't save them in this game. I think he's the one guy that maybe could, uh, you know, on the perimeter as a guard. But when Zach Eady has someone that's able to kind of get in his grill and not foul him and and be active with their hands, it's a different ball game and they're a different team. And uh, that's what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I think you're right about like the the, the like the hands. Obviously, that that played a big major part in this in terms of like points off turnovers. This was way way above their normal clip for Ohio State in their last ten games. They were averaging eleven, and in this one, they got twenty two points off of turnovers. Crazy. Um, and and another, you know, there there are two ways that I think teams have some success with Edie. Is is one is I think you know when he gets the ball with that deep catch, you can't let him take a path that arcs towards the baseline, towards the rim, because if he does, you're done because mm -hmm. he already has momentum to go follow his shot. You're probably going to foul him. The best luck that you're going to have is to try to move him in a not straight line towards, you want him to go upward at a diagonal if you can so that he's not comfortable going towards the rim. But then the other way is like swatting the ball away, like you said, and they had some success with like the sometimes you get lucky and you accurately go for the ball and you and you just happen to hit it. And the other times it's like you get a good whistle. But like, mm -hmm. and that's the thing about in the tournament that, you know, the, the the Big Ten, you know, over the years, it's like that's a physical league and maybe that gives you some, and we see this some in the NBA with teams that like get sort of a, uh, they develop a sort of a, a reliance on free throw generation that maybe won't be there in the playoffs. We've seen that with James Harden like every single year. We might see that with <laughs> Shea a little bit when he starts to get into some of these playoff games again. 
But yeah, they uh, Fletcher lawyer in this game. They just didn't get enough out of him. He was one for seven. He you know six points in twenty five minutes. Um, he overhelped on one of the biggest plays of the game that led to a three that was kind of a dagger. I will say that in Bloomington in the media section, they were absolutely giddy watching the end of this game. It <laughs> was bet. pretty hysterical. They were <laughs> yeah. like high fiving and stuff. Uh, oh man! So that was entertaining. <laughs> but um, Purdue, you know, it's they they still have a lot of questions to answer. You know, it, it's. Um, you hate to see it. You'd like to see them resoundingly, resoundingly kind of go into March with momentum, but you can kind of feel the murmuring starting, right? Yeah, but I do want to point this out again. Virginia has a very small margin of error as well, and they won a national championship. And if you go back and see how they won the national championship, I mean, there's the perfect example. They were down to Gardner-Webb at halftime in their first game in that tournament because they have a small margin of error. So it's not impossible for Purdue to go and win a national championship. They just do it in a way that is not going to be dominant, and it's going to let a lot of teams be able to play with them. So it's not going to be – and I think that's why a lot of people, when they watch Purdue, they're like, how are you going to tell me this is the most dominant number one team when I'm watching UConn beat Big East teams by 25 plus? Because aesthetically, they're just totally different things. Um, and, and they're totally different in their own special kind of way. And I will give Matt Painter a lot of credit because, uh, you know, he he could shy away from, you know, this kind of loss and not want to talk to the media. But they asked him uh, if there was a difference between Diebler and Chris Holtman. And he said, quote, nothing, none. If he was here, the score would have been 73 to 69. They didn't run anything different they didn't do anything different it's a player's game they have good players so I, I thought that was I mean a, a nice way to basically say like this wasn't some like emotional like w- luck of the Irish type moment like they just beat us playing exactly how they've been playing and this is on us uh, for for letting them beat us you know what I mean by being able to capitalize on turnovers so um, Purdue is a is the same conundrum as we've seen before. But like I said, the positive spin is that Purdue can win games uh, with the small margin of error because that's what they do under Matt Painter. That is the system. That is how they play. And when they execute, it is a beautiful thing. But when they don't execute, they have major problems. And uh, we saw it in Columbus. And uh, congratulations to all the Hoosier media people. They enjoyed watching that for about you know an hour <laughs> before they realized Northwestern was going to win their third straight game <laughs> yeah, in Bloomington. Were, and then they were something. pissed. So yeah, I can't please. say something about. I don't want to. I'm not going to incriminate anybody, but I was in the. There, you get some of this at UK too. I mean, the fans that are kind of like in uh, in disguise in the media section. Do you, do you get this at UNC? I mean, it's kind of like they kind of can't help themselves at different moments. Yeah, um, I I remember the first time I covered a Carolina football game. I was in the press box, and I was like, you know, I was working for Inside Carolina. Ben Sherman was my boss, and he gave me this whole speech. He's like, I don't care if you're, you know, a student, you're a fan, like you don't like, you know, you're you're objective, you're the press. Like, give me this whole thing. So I go in there, and I'm like dressed up, like sweating, nervous, you know what I mean? Don't make a peep, don't make a sound. And uh, first play, like Carolina returns like 45 yards to kick up. This kid who's like also like another student reporter, he <laughs> stands up and starts clapping. Clapping, like he's just, wow. Like, and everybody in there is just like, this is disgusting, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? But I like, like it's very old school, you know, the Jays don't play that. Yeah, it's in a respected school, you know, a respected J factory over there at UNC, you know, yeah, they don't especially play that. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure homies don't play that. But like uh, this was really funny. I mean, just like there was one point in the game, I think it was Martinelli hit like a pretty dagger three in the second half. <laughs> this guy near me, he goes, it was an older guy. He goes, God damn it. He like screamed it. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing so hard. I almost, cr- I was like almost crying. I like, I. 
when I go to a Kentucky game, if like something wild happens, like I'll sit next to Kyle Tucker, my buddy who writes about UK, and I'll, I'll maybe like hit him. If something really wild happens, I mean, like a Duthiero had a, had a play, and I just like hit him really hard. I try to keep it to about that, but I just, man, I was laughing really hard about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, t- poor, poor Hoosiers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you were there at Assembly Hall. I'm glad you got to get a little bit of juice. And I like that the Hoosiers, uh, as we both know, they're diehard regardless of the outcome. And uh, that's what we like to, what we like to see in college basketball. And that's what we respect. And let's talk about the bag because Kentucky, they shut down the jungle. Uh, the jungle was uh, on a high. They absolutely blow out number 11, uh, South Carolina, beat them by 40 points. Then Cal comes to town. It's a bit of a circus going on right now. Everybody trying to figure it out. And Calipari was in rare form in this game. And Adutiero was incredible with some great lobs. Uh, that he caught in this one. I mean, Rob Dillingham had some great moments as well. And just in general, the defense of Kentucky was something to talk about, which has been a talking point on the other end of the spectrum for the majority of the season. But I thought the real star of this game was Katie Johnson. Um, Before the game, Bruce Pearl was asked, Coach, what makes you cuss the most? He said, Katie Johnson. And if you watch (laughs) this game, my God, I have never seen someone just absolutely torpedo a game like Katie Johnson. Uh, What were your thoughts as a someone just watching this game from the UK vantage point were you just excited every time Katie Johnson had the ball in his hands because it was ridiculous I'll be honest man the the <laughs> Pearl KD uh dynamic is fascinating to me. he must love that guy like a son they must like uh, yes. love each other because it uh, yes. seemed like that would be a stressful dynamic I mean because <laughs> this has been going on since like Jabari was there mm-hmm. I mean KD came from Georgia I believe right because uh yeah he he I remember like I just my one of my early memories was him just having this like psychotic look on his face, like taunting severe Wheeler. And I was like, whoa, well, this guy is intense. He's um, different. But he's erratic. I mean, yeah, he's really, really erratic. And you saw it on that team where they really needed to like set Jabari up to succeed. And that was he played a part in that. But um yeah, I mean, I I have to imagine that they they have a great relationship because <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would love to know what goes on behind closed doors between those two. I just feel like Katie Johnson is one of those guys where you can't really, he got his third foul in this game and he tried to stay on the court. Like, I mean, there was a moment where I felt like Bruce Pearl and the entire like Auburn staff was like, oh my God, we might not be able to get him off the court. You know what I mean? Like this is, that's the Katie Johnson experience at at its core. And I felt like in this game, you can kind of live by KD or you can die by KD. And for whatever reason, when Kentucky came to town, KD said, I got this. Like he put the Superman cape on and said, this is my game. Game. Um, I'm going to let them know what Auburn basketball is about. And it went absolutely the other way. And it was great for UK. Um, it made their defense look even better because, I mean, KD's jacking up shots like on the break. He's like, pull up three. I got it. Air ball. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, I'm going to go for the layup on the break. One man fast break. One on four brick. I mean, I've never seen the confidence like this. I mean, Dion Waiters was blushing at some of the shots that Katie Johnson was looking at in this game and taking with confidence. And I just felt like with Stewart getting injured, uh, Janai Broom struggled in this game with Onyenzo and some of the size of UK in general. Um, it, Auburn was all out of sorts. Uh, how, you know, Holloway, I mean, they, they kind of benched him because he wasn't able to get in the lane or, or to create anything for anyone else. His shot wasn't falling. So they just kind of seemed like a mess in general. And Katie Johnson obviously kind of became the the focal point of, of what I was seeing and, and what was standing out. But, um, you know, as much as I want to give UK the credit, I do think Katie Johnson in this game, I, I've never seen someone put such a stamp on a game 
in the wrong way. Um, and and that's what scares me about Auburn in March. You know what I mean? Like what happens when KD comes into the Sweet 16 game and says, I got this, you know, like that, that could go either amazing or terribly. It kind of reminds me of the Harrison twins and it went great for the Harrison twins for a little, they had a nice run, but it was like, sometimes you're like, these guys, they, they have to let go of the reins and let somebody else do it. But, but it's not in their DNA and it's yeah, definitely K- not in KD's DNA. KD reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you ever played Borderlands, but they have this thing. It's like a first person shooter. And there's this one part of the game where you can go and they have these slot machines and you can like pull the slot for like a hundred dollars in the game. And it like, it might give you like a really rare gun or something, or there's a lot of motivation to do it, but it also might give you a grenade, you know? <laughs> so I kinda, and like, and you, and it like kills you. So I, like, that's kind of what I feel like. KD is one of those just like feast or famine kind of guys, but like, you know, when you take away Auburn's like second chance, they're easy stuff that they like to kind of create a nice little cushion with their points in the paint, their second chance points, their points off of turnovers, those types of things. When you kind of take those things away, take care of the ball, um, take away that kind of stuff. You know, Broom is, I don't know if Broom's ever had a really great game against UK. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. something that, like a mental thing of wanting to get them because he was here. It's not like he's from here. So I don't know that that would necessarily make a lot of sense. But yeah, UK did a good job of sort of like both. Both They did a good job bar- containing pressure. And like, um, and I thought Onyenso did a great job sort of just being present in there. Um, and they just, uh, the presence of DJ Wagner, I thought the ball pressure was better overall, you know, and they had some big shot making. Rob made some ridiculous shots in that game. Yeah. Rob, yeah. Rob was ridiculous. I mean, Rob was taking shots like Katie Johnson wanted to be taking, except for they were going in. Um, it, it was like the dichotomy of those two, uh, you know, it's like one gunner and then the, that should be allowed. And then one guy who needs to be on the three strike system that John Calipari invented. And speaking of Calipari after this game, the post game press conference, he was on one. Um, uh, this might be one of my favorite uh, Kyle press conference. I mean, he said, quote, he don't care about basketball. Why is he going to go up there talking about the NBA All-Star? game, which no one even prompted him about the NBA All-Star game or said that he didn't want to go to the NBA All-Star game, but he created this idea that that the Kentucky fans, they don't think he loves the game. He loves the game so much, he was flying up to Indianapolis. He said, do you understand it's a record? The most ever from one school at an All-Star game was four. That was by us, by the way. He had to clarify that. Uh, And he said, we got seven now. Uh, Now let's get these guys uh, up in the game. I got to go to Indianapolis tomorrow. Um, and then he gets to Indianapolis. Him and Tyler Eulis are taking the pictures with the guys. They're asking SGA about Cal. SGA said, quote, it was cool. We've all gone through the same thing. Played for a crazy coach. Made it out the jungle. Um, and I thought that was a nice little poetic connection because I, I feel like, you know, Kentucky was in the jungle. They were they were trying to figure out what the season looks like. They get this nice win literally at the jungle in Auburn. Um, and now all signs are pointing to, you know, I'm sure the field of 68 and some of these other networks are like, UK, Final Four run? You know what I mean? It feels it's like the whole narrative has spun back the other way. All the whiplash from the support. <laughs> the, right. yeah, it's like it's been back and forth. I mean, people people said I've been negative. I thought I was pretty down. I, I said I thought – I didn't – I never said that – Kentucky would fire Cal. I never said mm. that. I just said I thought he would choose to be happy. And like, I just thought maybe <laughs> if they made a run and it could shape up to happen. I mean, I will remind people though that last year the team did get some big SEC road wins that had people believing. So it's a wait and see. I don't know. Do you think Auburn is like, was that like a, a, a sort of a revealing thing for Auburn, do you think? Or what, what do you, how do you read that? 
I've, I've, well, I, it was very revealing uh, for me with Auburn. I, I've been trying to figure out between Auburn and Alabama which horse that I'm on. Um, not to say it's one or the other situation, but just in, in my brain, I've been trying to figure out both teams. And I'm, I'm firmly in the Alabama camp uh, after watching this game just because Broom is their best player, but it's hard for him to kind of create his own offense. Like you said, he's almost like, uh, you know, I get offensive rebounds, easy buckets. I get, you know, momentum buckets on the break. And in this game, when they weren't able to get out and transition and to have Katie Johnson's defense, which I think is the reason why he plays so much, when when you're not able to, to get his on-ball defense to actually affect the game in a positive way, um, and then, you know, if they get Jalen back and he's healthy, obviously that helps. But um, I came away from this game feeling better about, uh, you know, UK and then Auburn. It's just the, I, I'm not saying that they can't go to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, but I thought they could be like a Final Four, like actually, you know, win the big thing. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm right there with this team. But Bruce Pearl, he's proven me wrong before. Um, so we'll see what happens. Last big thing, let's talk about Rick Patino, a.k.a. Rick the Ripper. Uh, Patino threw everybody under the bus. In case you missed it, he spent about 15 minutes after the Seton Hall game in his post game lamenting and lambasting the school's, quote, shitty facilities, his players' lack of t- toughness and athleticism, <laughs> and his staff's, quote, lost recruiting effort in the transfer portal. He said, quote, for me, I've always enjoyed the first year, and I'm not going to lie to you. This is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. This has been so, so disappointing, end quote. What say you, Kyle, man, when you saw this post-game press conference? My God, these quotes, I mean, they seem unbelievable. I'm just trying to think, like, if we had, like, the hyperbole Olympics, I don't really <laughs> know. I know you're all about Team USA, Tate. I mean, I don't really know that we could send anybody out that would, like, be more of a... He, he's like Mark Spitz. He's like Michael <laughs> Phelps. He's like Michael Johnson. Like, he's, like, one of the most surefire, if they had the hyper, hyperbole Olympics, that, like... Patina would bring home the goal, like the most un, just the comedy. Take a take a beat, you know. It's kind of like you know you want to make sure and not set people up for the obvious sort of comeback on you. And it's like you know the things that have gone on. It's just kind of take take one second and consider that. And be like, yeah, you've had a lot of tough stuff. But I will I will say, that that was one of my first responses. Him saying out, outwardly, just kind of I guess the first question I have is like. How down are New Yorkers with it? I'm sure they're down. I think that that like down is in they're they're with him. I, I'm sure they're just like, yeah, I'm sure it is shitty. I, we haven't even <laughs> full, we're we're not even approaching negativity mode with them. I would I would assume, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, let, let's just keep going through these quotes because yeah. uh, first he says, "quote Do we have shitty facilities?" A rhetorical question. Yes, we do, but we're doing something about that. Uh, but that's not the reason we're losing. Having shitty facilities has nothing to do with not guarding. And then speaking of not guarding, he said, look, Joel, Joel Soriano, his best player, is slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. Chris Ledlam, happy birthday, Chris Ledlam, by the way, is slow laterally. Sean Conway is slow laterally. Uh, Brady Dunlap's physically weak uh, (laughs) and continues to go through the roster and say they're slow laterally. I mean, mean, you get the point there. Um, And then he said, quote, it's not the job. You could be at Missouri, shots at Missouri, and recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together a team at the last second. We will never, ever do that again. Um, it, it was uh, the the quotes were just insane to read. I, it's a man that feels broken. He said that he will jump in the East River if he does not win a national championship. Um, he says after he loses to Creighton that he wants to go out in the snow and die. I do feel like we're getting to a point where it's like, 
I need a quality check, like a, like on Rick. Like, is he okay? Like, or, warning like, signs, I'm, I'm, right? Are I'm we getting... obligated to like call somebody? Like, uh, you know, like it's not I... funny anymore. Like, I, I at first I was laughing, and now I'm like, I mean, Bart Scott on Get Up. I mean, uh, if anybody watches Get Up, I feel like I'm one of the few people that does in the morning. <laughs> Bart Scott said about Rick Pitino. He said, "quote He looks dead inside. Uh, let's take the gray. Let's take the gray man out. Basically saying like, let's just like get him out of there. He shouldn't be doing this to himself. I mean." Rick is taking this on the chin and he's not taking it well. And I just think we need to do a wellness check at some level because we want him to, to be having fun. And he said this is worse than the Celtics job. And, uh, you know, I think that really struck a chord with Bill Simmons because he was like, he thinks it's worse than the Celtics. I, I don't think it's even close. But in Rick Pitino's <laughs> mind, it was absolutely worse. Uh, I mean, he even said, I tried to get AJ's store. I tried to get others. There were circumstances that had to be done over that were out of my control. We had to bite the bullet and clean certain things out. I mean, it, it was just an absolutely masterclass of just saying this season is over and I'm over it. Um, and, and I just... I don't know where we go from here because he is our number one character, but I mean, they have a 27% chance to make the NCAA tournament. According to ESPN right now, I do not think they're going to make the tournament. And it just feels like Rick Pitino is saying, pack it in. And uh, that breaks my heart, Kyle, man. It really does. Do you think it was a better situation for him to sort of overachieve at an Iona than to like level up? Like, because, you know, he was pretty certain to succeed in that conference. And I wonder if maybe like playing on this high major playing field is a little too crowded, especially considering how much better their conference is today. I don't know. Do you think, I don't know. Do you think that, that, that he's going to be able to get the kind of talent influx he needs to like really push through in that conference? I just feel like this is Kyle is seething right now. He's like, how dare you say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they're the first half Johnnies. I mean, they can win the first half. I mean, they get you all excited. And then the second half, he he blames it on toughness, especially defensively. He said he recruited a bunch of offensive prima donnas. Uh, that's not a direct <laughs> quote, but that's basically what he was saying. Um, and that they need some defensive intensity and some toughness. And I just feel like when you're saying this sort of stuff, it rubs people the wrong way. Also, you got a five-star kid over there, Simeon Wiltshire, who doesn't even play in this game. We didn't even talk about that. You know what I mean? So that's a that's a guy that he takes from a blue blood, and he's not playing in pivotal games down the stretch. That's going to be used against him on the recruiting trail. Um, he also gave Shaheen Holloway a lot of praise. He was like, Shaheen's got a tough team. They kind of you know, fit who he is as a coach. He was talking about Kadari Richmond, how much he loved Kadari Richmond and how he, he's probably going to try to re recruit Kadari Richmond and go play for St. John's next year. But it, it just feels like a man lost at sea. And uh, I want to give him a paddle, but he feels like he, he's upstream without a paddle right now. Um, I will say I reached out and I got a quote from a former, a Patino era UK player about this. And he, after reading all the quotes, his response was, that is nothing. <laughs> He's being kind compared to the kind of stuff that he said about us and most mm. certainly to us. Uh, so, and he said, that's how he motivates. Uh, and it usually works, or at least it used to. He said he's not sure if the kids can handle it, though, uh, today, which is a typical thing that you hear from people from the 90s in general. But uh, yeah, I mean... Hilarious. I mean, it's entertaining. I, I, it's on. It's like clockwork. We get we get the first half update from Kyle, and it's usually like uh, I don't know. He he usually gives us a, a, a bleak follow up. It's almost it's almost uh, uncanny, unfailing. Yeah, I feel like we get a text every time the Johnnies play, and it's like the first ten minutes of the game. We get a Kyle like Johnnies exclamation point, and then two hours later, he's like tough one. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Rick's talking about uh, you know walking out in the snow again or jumping in the river. It, it goes sideways very quickly. Um, Kyle, are you there? 
Yeah, I call it the second <laughs> half death march. That's what I've been calling it this this year, uh, because it's we we just we come out. It's like they're they're up three or they're up four or they're tied or they're down two, and then it's like all right. So where's where's the ten point gap? And then you know sometimes it's right <laughs> after the uh, right after tip off, and sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's like you know. The like the last game with the uh, Seton Hall, it was like they they waited to the last five minutes to start the death march, and then it was like, holy shit, here we go. Yeah, uh, I probably could have I probably could have made some money gambling uh, if I if I with this with the pit that I have in my stomach after halftime. So, I think the bet is to take St. John's first half and <laughs> yes, then St. John's then, to lose the game. Lose. I, well, I would say I all the analytics probably have this just mapped out <laughs> clear as day. So maybe yeah, I don't know. I, I missed the train. Get, bet against them in the first half maybe you make some real money i don't know <laughs> well i think i mean this is maybe reading too into it but i think he goes in at halftime and they have a lead and all the players feel good and he just like absolutely lambast them and how <laughs> terrible they are and then they lose all their confidence and they come out in the second half and lose the game so i, I think that tough love it might be a little too tough um uh, you know what i mean but we'll, we'll see how it plays out rick patino um, we're thinking about you. We're pulling for you. We're here for you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some shout outs, talk about some of the other biggest stories around college basketball. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, welcome back. Let's do some shout outs and uh, let's start with the legend. R.I.P. Lefty Drizel, 92 years old, passed away. A guy who won 100 games at four different programs. Uh, you know, last of a dying breed and one of those coaches that it just feels like every time you talk to some assistant coach and they put their tree together, it would always go back to Lefty. A lot of people give him credit for Midnight Madness. He says George Raveling is the reason Midnight Madness happened, but we give it to Lefty Drizel, Hall of Famer. Um, Maryland head coach, legendary head coach, and uh, the the guy who created the UCLA of the East at Maryland, and uh, just a very storied history. And uh, when I did the five star thing, every single time I talked to any coach, uh, Lefty felt like a name that would come up, and he just loved talking ball. That's what everybody would say. Lefty just loved talking ball. So he was a guy and a coach that was always lending an ear to a lot of coaches and trying to give them a helping hand. And uh, it was tough to see the news of him passing away, but wanted to give him a shout out. And uh, I know Kyle, man, you you have have uh, the same sort of affinity for that that kind of ilk of coaches you know back in the day those legends of college basketball yeah he's one of the he's one of sort of the uh the pantheon guys i mean one of the one of the sort of trees that has really really long roots in the game huge coaching network um just has been around a lot of history and he coached pretty well well into you know into into a pretty you know advanced age like you know he, mm-hmm. he had a great career and had a lot of success at a lot of, and everybody swears by him i mean i, I don't know if i've ever heard anybody 
say an ill word about the guy. I mean, just I know. sort of just a really, really a lovable guy from from all accounts, by all accounts, and a, and a successful successful coach. So, um, you know, it's all you can hope for. You know, to have a, have a big network like that impact a lot of lives. So, sorry yeah. to see him go. Yeah, shout out to all the Maryland fans. They did a, a nice tribute for Lefty. Uh, we love to see that. I mean, he was the first coach to put Davidson on the map. So, uh, you know, without Lefty Giselle, there is probably no Stephen Curry-Davidson story there in the He wouldn't exist. He'd disappear like Michael J. Fox <laughs> yes. and Back to the right. Future, you know? Exactly, yes. I think that's is, fair to say. That's the domino effect. So, uh, shout out to Lefty. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers to the Giselle family. Uh, next up, shout out to Utah. I don't know if you saw this. Utah's game winner over UCLA. Talk about great play design here. Uh, UCLA hit a shot with six seconds left to go in this game. They take the lead. Um, and then Mick Cronin takes a timeout. Utah had no timeouts, but he takes a timeout to set up his defense. Sets up like a full court press basically. And Craig Smith, a great play design, gets it down the court and then Brandon Carlson, Brandon Carlson uh, excuse me, for Utah, ends up getting the tip in there. Um, a, a lot of people, UCLA fans, are upset about Cronin taking this timeout, but I think that we should focus more on Craig Smith and Utah. I mean, this was a game they had to win to kind of stay in the bubble conversation. And uh, I love a late game, you know, late game execution always kind of shows who's a good coach. So Craig Smith, tip of the cap and a shout out. Did you see this game? Yeah, I was going to say it's sort of a, uh, I was checking out, you know, they're 16 and 10 this year, seven and eight in conference. You still think that they're on the bubble? They got a shot. Utah's been kind of up and down. They've shown some flashes here and there, but um, you still think that they got a chance to get in? I just feel like the Pac-12 is going to get three teams. And I feel like it's like Colorado, who got a double overtime win against USC, a must-win that they needed to have. So that they're kind of right there, nipping on the heels. Uh, Oregon is one of those teams that's right there. So it's kind of those three. I think UCLA, if they just hadn't bottomed out so much, they're probably the third best team as far as who's playing well right now. But they're not going to be in the tournament. Maybe they could win the Pac-12 tournament. But there's really two teams, Arizona and Washington State, that are locks right now. And then it's kind of a <laughs> everybody fighting for that third spot so I feel like Utah just because of their non-con they, they have a little bit of juice there but uh, a much needed win at UCLA uh, Mick Cronin not happy about it at all um, but uh, there was also Sebastian Mack in this game had a, a flagrant two elbow to Carlson who ends up hitting the game winning layup so there was some sort of like basketball karma at play for him to get this game winning um, you know uh, finish for Utah and uh, shout out to the race of 69 lost this game so uh, UCLA you can blame the, the ultimate race for not working out um, shout out to uh, once ranked Indiana State. Um, and in fact, Indiana State, you have the Indiana State jersey on right now. So shout out to you for representing the Sycamores. But a ranked Indiana State is absolutely cursed. They have now lost their last three games while being ranked. Um, they lost on Saturday, Tuesday, and the 1979 title game against Michigan State. Um, are we pouring one out for the at-large bid for Indiana State, or do we think there's still hope for Robbie Avila? There's still hope. I mean, there's still okay. a little time left here. I just think, you know, the the difference in attention, they haven't been shooting the ball really well lately. They haven't been attacking mismatches well, you know, switch as well. So it's just kind of, they got some things to shore up. Um, I feel like they'll get in a better place, this team will. Um, you know, they... I got a chance to spend some time with them this past weekend too, and was really impressed with just their their culture and their coaching staff. Really bright guys, shirt coach shirts, really really bright. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a different thing when you're on the top. You know, I, I've I've kind of gotten the wind too that like Avila maybe has had some been hampered a little bit with with some injury stuff. Um, so that, that's made affected his mobility. But um, you know, 
it's a different level of attention that you have to kind of adjust to and get ready for. And they were going to be getting that either way. They were going to be one of those teams that was going to get a lot of attention in March just because of the the bird thing. They have a connection to John Wooden, too. So they have a lot of history. It's mm-hmm. a, just a nice story. Hopefully, they can kind of get it back on the rails here to end, end the season and get another crack or, or at least preserve some of their chance to get that at large. And they got Drake to worry about. So uh, that'll be uh, a showdown with the DeVries family. Uh, Tucker DeVries having a great year this year, averaging 21 points per game. So he's a name that we know in college basketball. We talked about as a character, but have not checked in on. But Drake still making things happen. And they're a program that just continues to win basketball games. So that conference is rolling right now. Shout out to Jay Williams. He went on college game day and said, quote, Caitlin Clark isn't great. Kyle Mann, what were your thoughts when you saw this? My God, uh, th- this might be the the quote of the year. Him and Kenny Smith, man, not a great weekend for commenting <laughs> on the women's game. Um, I mean, we're just saying shit at this point. Right. I, I, you know, I, I just like <laughs> I texted you and you were like, he fully doesn't believe what he's saying. I hope that's the case. Um, it's just ridiculous. I, you know, it's it, compare and comparing it, comparing her to a bunch of players who played for UConn. It's just a different talent situation. If you're gonna like, you know, it's not like the NBA. It's just like, I, it's just. I don't even know. At some point, I'm just like, does it even, do we need to even acknowledge? I feel like you and I have talked about Jay Williams' <laughs> quotes throughout the year. It's just patently ridiculous. She's a generational player who's going to have a gigantic emulative ripple. Can you imagine all the girls out there that are like watching her and going, this is possible? I'm going to set out to replicate this. The women's game is going to be in a great place because of Caitlin Clark. And it's just, uh, I mean, and people jumped on him fairly. You know, Billis was oh, like, yeah. Billis like oh, couldn't contain it. He was like, ah, oh, she's great. He just like, <laughs> yeah, there, like, come there on. was no moment for like, it, no one even let it slide. Uh, but I, I do respect that Jay Williams goes in. I feel like someone at the top of ESPN was like, Jay, we need more takes. And uh, he has taken that to heart and he has given the takes. And uh, this might be one of the boldest takes. I'm not going to say it's the smartest. I'm not going to say it's the strongest, but it is very bold to say that Caitlin Clark, who also went to the national championship game, by the way. So if we're judging it by that not standard, exactly a loser yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly like I guess Larry Bird is not great in college because he lost in the national championship game based on Jay's uh, own outlook on it but uh, Caitlin Clark on this show we will say she's great speaking of someone that uh, from Duke that is great Jared McCain um, I think he might be the best freshman in the country and uh, people might want to bite my head off but uh, 35 points against Florida State was incredible shooting the basketball and uh, you and I talked about he might be their best best prospect. I think he might be their best player. No, um, yeah, at this point, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's it's really it's not hard to argue if you watch him play the game. So Jared McCain, uh, a special shout out to you because uh, I'm I'm worried about uh, the next time I have to see Jared McCain as a North Carolina fan because the kick and hoop. Yeah, he's just continuing. I, f- I feel like we got in at a good time. You know, we were the first people to see that Jared McCain's good, I think. I think the first <laughs> people to comment on that. So right. I think we should claim all the credit. That seems reasonable to me. So, um, nah, man, he he's just, he's been on a nice run here. I, I kind of feel like it's unassailable at this point that he's their best player. Like, it's pretty clear. Um, you know, and other guys showed flashes at times. For, you know, and you, this is what you want to happen when you start to, you know, round the middle of February. You want your kind of pecking order and hierarchy. Assuming the team's all good with it and everybody likes their roles, you know, we'll see how it like affects Duke's ceiling. You know, whenever these things kind of shake out and you have young players, you can have this. And it's hard, it's easy to get caught up in the kind of moment by moment, um, you know, malaise and ebbs and flows of having a young team because uh, we forget that they've never played college basketball together. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I, I kind of wonder what it's going to mean for Duke if he continues to be this guy, if he, if he can sustain it, maintain it. 
And I do think that he's connected that freshman group because uh, Sean Stewart has every right to be annoyed. Caleb Foster has every right to be annoyed. TJ Power has every right to be annoyed about playing time, about opportunity, about, you know, I'm a five star. I'm this, I'm that. And I feel like he's such a good vibes kid that they're all kind of friends, you know, despite him being the most successful one bar none. I do think that he is kind of kept them all engaged. And you see Stewart sometimes when he comes in, he shows flashes of greatness. I think Caleb Foster has some better games ahead. Um, so Duke, I mean, that freshman class is fascinating. And uh, if I hear and see one more list where Filipowski is on the first team, I, I'm going to have to continue to roll my eyes because it, it's just, I'm not seeing it. I, I, I think that McCain is the one. If you're going to put a Duke guy, if you had to put a Duke guy on that first team, I think McCain would be my pick. But maybe I'm jumping the gun there. Uh, let's talk about the Ivy League. Prince Princeton, Yale, and Cornell, all NCAA tournament-worthy teams, potentially. If you look at the metrics, um, it might not be a one-bid one big, one big, one Ivy League. Um, at least that's what the experts are saying. How do we feel about the idea of uh, multiple Ivy League teams in the NCAA tournament? A Princeton at large is that play, Kyle, man. I say if you earn it, uh, you know, good for you. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. It doesn't really matter where this And the Ivy League has really acquitted itself. Acquitted is like a negative way to frame it, I guess. They've proven themselves. I think really mm -hmm. well over the years, they put a lot of good teams and they are typically disciplined. I guess you could kind of make connections here and say that they typically have smart kids. So they they sort of seem to have good discipline overall. But no, I mean... Um, and Princeton's yeah, coming a, off a Sweet 16. I yeah, mean, I mean, you know, Princeton it's perennially kind of plays this way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm good with it. I love it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, speaking of smart guys, Todd Golden at Florida. The Gators are ranked number 24 in the new AP poll. They're so good that Wake Forest finally has a Q1 win. Um, it is officially on the book. So Florida, their ability to be able to jump up uh, in the net rankings, I think, to number 29. Now Florida or now Wake Forest has a Q1 win. So Todd Golden, the smart guys. Um, are doing well right now. Another smart guy, Kyle Smith. They're all coming from San Francisco, by the way. So uh, shout out to the Dons. Uh, Wazoo ranked number 21, the first top 25 appearance for the Cougars since the final poll of the 2007-2008 season. They went, they went to the Sweet 16 that year with Tony Bennett. Um, it is a new day for the Washington Cougars. And on Thursday night, they play Arizona for first place in the Pac-12. They beat them earlier uh, in the Palouse, and now they go down to Tucson. So uh, shout out to Wazoo. Miles Rice, Isaac Jones, uh, Yakimovsky. I mean, this is a fun team. Uh, Jalen Wells. Uh, you know, you got Clough, uh, who, who's a guy from Australia that everybody loves. So th this Washington State team, I've watched a lot of their games uh, by proxy. My girlfriend watches every game, so therefore I am watching every game. I kind of am falling in love with them, and I see them as a team that if they're an 8-9 or a 7 seed and you're that 1-2, you might not want to see this Washington State team because they're very well connected. And Miles Rice was getting Steve Nash and Tony Park, Tony Parker comps in their game against Stanford, Kyle, man. So uh, Wazoo's a team to watch out for. Your girlfriend's a coo is a Coug? I didn't realize she, that. She's a Coug, yeah. She's okay. a di okay. diehard Coug. So I, I watch all the Coug games. I'm locked in. Well, can we shout out the AP? Because I brought up it. I brought it up like last week, two weeks ago. It's fucking crickets and jokes. Now you're throwing out Florida Wazoo. So I guess uh, <laughs> AP is subjective. But uh, I thought I had some real nice kernels bringing up the AP a couple weeks ago, and you guys were like, "Yeah, if you're into that type of shit." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad. Like, I'm glad that I, I when like, it serves like you, rankings, we're talking when, AP. The, when the rankings serve my storylines, Kyle. I give them their credit. You know what I mean? They're, they're gonna write AP. the history. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Love to see it. Shout out to the Cougs. Uh, shout out to Steve Peichel. Uh, Steve Peichel said, quote, this Ken Pomeroy guy, I need to get him to recruit because this guy's got every answer to everything, apparently. He's never played. I don't think he shoots well. I don't think he's a good defender, but he's got every answer. Still got to play the games, though. Um, Steve Peichel just taking shots at Ken Palm. I, I, I you love, love it. You got to be happy. Pick I and slop, think, right? I just think it's hilarious uh, that there's like beef like from coaches towards like the analytic sites, you know, like as if there's just like, it's like the great wizard, the wizard of Oz. Like they're just like <laughs> this, this Kim bomb. <laughs> yeah. Get him on the court. Um, so yeah, Steve Peichel, never, shout out to you. Shout out to Rutgers. Never played, never played, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. He, uh, I, yeah. When I saw that quote, I thought of you, Tate, it's kind of, the, cause you, know, you, you have a war on Kim Palm. So, you know, I don't have a war the, the on Kim Palm. Tate's, uh, Tate's I, I just, army grows. I, I'm a results based guy. I, uh, I, I think the games matter and, uh, we live in a world more and more where people tell me that the games don't matter. Um, and even when the games do happen, they say, well, that's not how it's supposed to happen. A la Miami last year drove me crazy. Um, but it's okay. Cause when Miami saw the lights were bright, they showed, uh, who they really were. And, uh, we see when the lights are not bright, who they and also year, are. <laughs> and this year it's been the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Cause the lights aren't bright enough. Uh, so there you go for, for Miami, uh, Elon, shout out to Elon game winner over UNCW friend of the program. Mac McClung said that was the one team that he loves the Elon Phoenix. And they got a big win for him. Um, and he goes back to back at the dunk contest. So a big win for Mac McClung, um, and a big win for the Elon Phoenix. So we love to see that shout out to them. Um, shout out to Penny Hardaway. Actually, thoughts and prayers to Penny Hardaway. The Memphis Tigers are spiraling. They got up to number 10 in the country, and now they're back uh, on the wrong side of the bubble. So uh, Chris Vernon, uh, you know, John Roser, all of our Memphis guys, um, just uh, condolences to you guys as you deal with that. But uh, it was fun while it lasted. It was fun that Penny got to number 10 in the country. Uh, I want to shout out Devin Carter, Providence's very own Big East Player of the Week, 22.5 points per game, 12 rebounds per game. Um, we love to see that. So uh, I feel like Devin Carter is a guy that uh, we appreciate on this program. We got to give him some love. So wanted to do that. And then uh, last thing, Tony Bennett has 13 straight winning seasons in ACC play. Um, that is more than uh, what was happening before him at Virginia with all the other coaches, Terry Holland, everybody come behind uh, Pete Gillen, the great Pete Gillen. So uh, Tony Bennett, um, despite Virginia going one for 11 from the free throw line on Saturday against Wake Forest, they still got the win. So kudos to him. Kudos to their team. And uh, one last shout out ACC wise, DJ Burns, NC State's very own one of Kyle's guys. Uh, people were tweeting negative things about him during the game against Clemson, basically saying he was a bum. They came back. DJ Horn hit a game winner. They win this game over Clemson. And DJ Burns went on Twitter and let him know. Um, he was responding to the trolls. He was basically saying, ha ha, you're an idiot. And uh, I just thought it was a nice a nice uh, moment on Twitter and uh, nice for one of the good guys to get a response there. So shout out to DJ Burns. And uh, Kyle, I know you got some shout outs. You got some headlines uh, for us in college basketball. Yeah, I have a couple of headlines, but I do want to shout out Chris Holtman. I know you touched on it earlier, but, um, you know, we met him a while back and and uh, I think it's it's a tough look for, you know, you get. You get let go, and then you guys beat the number two, number one team in the in the country, and uh, it's just just one of those things. So I don't think it. I hope I just it's probably not cool in his DMs uh, today. Yeah, so, Chris, uh, it's not your fault. That's what we we're know saying. It's not your it's fault, not your fault, Chris. I think yeah, that's, you're that's a good. Tough, guy. That's a tough uh, series of events. So uh, hey, to say Chris that. Holtman to DePaul. By the way, if that does happen, that's a great hire. So uh, DePaul, yeah, yeah come join us. We're having a fucking blast over here. In the <laughs> I'm going to see if I can cancel some of these t-shirt orders. Uh, all right. So here's a shout out. Des Bryant, 
wins $400,000 on a 13-team college basketball parlay. Uh, This is obviously a plant. I think it was, you know, MGM bet is added in the Twitter thing, and they've only <laughs> the the only evidence anyone has is the screenshot that he posted. I can only see the five games that he bet on of his thirteen legs. I see Colorado, USC, Santa Clara, San Diego, Wyoming, San Jose State, Portland, Pepperdine, and Nevada, UNLV. <laughs> and there's, I mean, I don't know, was there eight more legs that we can't see? Um, so I think he just picked a day and picked. You know, and just picked picked right, but uh, yeah, yeah, he so said he I'm no expert. He just was throwing shit at the wall, and it's hilarious because I mean USC was up 18 points in that game, and <laughs> right. it was basically game over. And ends up going to double overtime, and that was part of his parlay, which is insane uh, to say the least. But he's setting a bad precedent because my friends from home, this is what they expect from me. They're like, give me some games for college basketball. Everybody wants to me this. Do we have legislation about like sports books posting like photoshopped like tickets, like winning mm. tickets? I don't know. Is it is this going to set sort of like a domino effect of of them like advertising? I don't know. Did it, did, any, did that occur to anyone? I I think that's a great call. There there definitely could be some seediness here, um, but you know. Des, do what you got to do. And we love that he's watching college basketball. I mean, he might not even watch. We accept. It, yeah, because well, yeah, like, yeah, we accept. Yeah. My my hunch here is that like, okay, you made a 13 leg parlay and you spent enough money that you got, I guess, I don't know how much you have to spend to win 400,000, but I mean, and you're tagging the sports book in it. So it's like, they probably gave him some money or some credits and like said, go ahead. So if uh, anyone that's listening, Randall wants to do that, with us, uh, that'd be great. So yeah, uh, sure, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. My, I'd love to. I'd love to be your desperate hit again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd love to I'll make some. Uh, I'll just do a Big East tirade. We'll see. Yeah, um, just tweet okay. that every week. So there's that. Hunter Dickinson, jump back over to the Michigan side uh, on Twitter because uh, uh, let's see, it's a Michigan State, Michigan State football. <laughs> uh, one of their meme accounts or whatever just you know made it kind of a mean Jawan Howard. Meme and uh, Hunter Dickinson says, I don't think the sport that lost 50, 49 to zero should be involved in the trolling. Uh, shout out to you for jumping back to the other side because you don't want to lose those people either. Uh, there's nothing wrong with sitting on the fence. I'm, I'm a bit of a fence sitter myself. Yeah, it was a called- healing tweet, I think. It was <laughs> healing. For, yeah. for his relationship. Did you, did it, 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 was, it was an yeah. olive branch. It definitely was an olive branch. What do you think, and Michigan? Head, headline <laughs> Hunter. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He got he's another headline. Yeah. Well, Tate and I were joking earlier. There was probably some Michigan fans who were just like, get out of here, man. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they were pissed. Yeah, they, they, shut up. Sure there were some of that. Shut up. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Woj uh, is on record donating $50,000 to the St. Bonaventure NIL Collective. So, you know, oh you're never God. too small to start working on those facilities. Isn't that right, Rick? Well, I think it's official. The war against college basketball from the NBA is over. I mean, Woj is donating $50,000. Adam Silver (laughs) says G League night is dead. You know what I mean? Like, we finally won. I I just uh, thank you, Woj, uh, for fighting the good fight. And uh, we love to see it. So shout out to the Bonnies. Yeah, the fighting Isaiah Blakely's over there at St. Bonnie's. Yeah, right. (laughs) Die hard. I love that. Uh, All right. And the last thing I have before games is uh, just want to give you a women's stat. Of the day, I guess we will new segment. We'll workshop it. Uh, South Carolina <laughs> sets uh, a record with their forty third consecutive win, and then they also set another record by having back to back twenty five season back to back twenty five and zero starts. So just a couple of records uh, that just Staley. keep getting broken. And the, they yeah they broke their old record by the way with the with the consecutive wins obviously. And the so uh, cool. There's some women's stats for you. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and is Dawn Staley great though? 
Ah, yeah, I, I don't know. I reserve that. You know, let's ask Jay Williams. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what I he's got to say for on ten that. national titles. That's, yeah. that's my definition. You know, maybe I differ from you. Yeah, you know? Jay Williams is like, I don't even think Coach K is great. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, I mean, he was going to transfer, right? <laughs> Didn't he just get passed by somebody else uh, for men's yeah. wins? Great call. Uh, Tara Vanderveer, number one, uh, all-time wins. And Gino Ariyama, UConn, number two. (laughs) Coach K, officially number three, uh, all-time wins. Bronze medal. Oh, man, that's tough. Not great, Bob. Yeah, yeah. That's your definition of great, you know, what he did. (laughs) Yeah. That's fine, but mind, I have standards. Yeah, if you're not first, you're last. That's what I was told uh, as as a young boy. Um, Speaking of games to watch, Kyle, the biggest game is UConn going to Creighton, right? That's the number one game we have. That's Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow yeah i got a nice stat for you guys the last time uconn won on the road versus an ap top 25 opponent was january 16th 2014 since that they are 0 and 20 in such matchups so that's the thing about uconn they're very much a conundrum still where they have this domination but there's still some things they have to check the box on so uh they have to get over a major hurdle in this game so a lot of people betting creighton because they think that uh you know and they've never won by the way uconn has never won in omaha they're 0 and 3 so something to keep an eye on on tuesday I think they're going to do it, but we'll see. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, well, I think they are too. Butler. I was <laughs> I was in Butler's gym on Saturday also, by the way. Uh frozen solid over there. Uh sliding around almost had a wreck. But yeah, the uh I don't know. I feel like UConn's going to do it, but uh Creighton's playing well right now. Yeah, our boy Baylor Shireman playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like especially at this point everyone's on one seed watch just like will they lose or it's like oh they're they're killing them in the first half and we'll just We'll just flip it to the next game. So uh, that's one of my three games on Tuesdays. I got Baylor, BYU. They're both ranked. I think you got to watch it, right? Right. Uh, and then I have a question mark next to TCU, Texas Tech. Where are we at with TCU at this point? Yeah, there was, a, there was a moment where it should, where the, it matters. It still matters. Still matters. Two tournament teams, Texas Tech. We're we're still trying to figure out how good they actually are, but TCU is legit. Uh, and I feel like TCU is like that eight nine that you don't want to see. They're going to be a tough eight nine game. So. uh I think that'll be a good one. And then BYU, the reason you watch them, they have taken more threes than two this, twos this year. So uh, they have a chance to set that record. And when they don't make threes, they play ugly basketball. So shout out to our guy, Mark Pope, the young Pope. But uh, yeah, BYU is always fun to watch. And uh, th- those those are good games. I those love TCU. Checks. I'm. I was gonna swinging it back to them. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a fan of them. I agree with Tate. Yeah, that's a team that can execute. They're hard nosed. They've been in tough games. They like March. They're, you know, to quote Cal, they're built for March. Like I, mm-hmm. I think TCU is. I wouldn't want to see them. They're yeah. going to lose in the first round. Watch. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be, right. a bad, it'll be a bad matchup. That's all I know. <laughs> cool. So here's what I got for Wednesday. I got three games. I got Duke, Miami. That matters. Definitely matters, right? Mm-hmm. That matters. Yeah, okay. that matters. Miami needs to do something. Miami's got injuries galore. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but aren't people t- looking upwards at Miami now instead of looking down on them? Uh, they're coming out of a bit of a slump, or did they just win a game and, and it, Miami Nigel fans Pack over got it. hurt, and then, yeah, they're just back into the, they're waiting in the in the tough waters. They're the 11 seed in the ACC right now, oh. and, uh, you know, that's, I mean, they could easily win the ACC tournament, though. I mean, that's just kind of who they are. So, okay. uh, yeah, they're tough so to watch. So, Duke-Miami, if you got nothing going on, Florida-Alabama, Florida's ranked, right? Mm-hmm. That's That'll a be a game. good one. That'll be yeah. a really good one. Yeah, Florida's then, been great. And then obviously St. John's Georgetown. 
just for the quotes post game. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> just for the quotes. <laughs> yeah. What's the first half of that one before Rick <laughs> lays into the kids at halftime and makes them want to quit? Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's going to be a fascinating game because he compared himself to Egg Cooley. He's like, me and Egg Cooley are both miserable, uh, is what Rick Pitino said. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we'll see how miserable they are when they play each other. That'll if be Ed, fun. W- if Ed Cooley uh, checks Pitino's tie before the game, is that a good sign or a bad sign? Shout out to Shaheen. I thought that was pretty ballsy, but they must they must be cool if, if that's uh Rick looked like he was yeah. happy at that point. So you don't touch another man's tie. I don't know. I don't know if you all have ever done that. That's that's a level of intimacy, I think. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. That, that that was a little too much for me, but I, I like Shaheen. I think he was trying to send a message. As I said, I think Shaheen gets annoyed that like Shaka and Patina, like all these guys get all this excitement when you talk about them and like their runs in March. And he's like, What about me? You know, could he be mean? the Why biggest no coach one... of the year? Or could yeah, you think? I, I mean, mean he definitely he's he beat he beat Hurley, right? He's got some great wins. If you go to if you run down the coaches he's you know, he's beaten. Not not bad, not a bad list. Revitalized Seton Hall. Yeah. yeah, their non-conference was terrible. I mean, that's the reason they're on the bubble. Uh, if they had any sort of, like, if they showed any signs of life in the non-con, they'd be firmly in the tournament. But because of the non-conference, they were 0-4 against any team in the top 140 in the net. So Ooh. that hurts them. But, uh, you know, Doesn't I help. think they're in. I think they're in. So I Shaheen's thought he was going to do the uh, the Joaquin Phoenix in the master, like he grabs the, ta- the you know, the tie and just <laughs> yeah. starts choking him, you know? I thought it was going <laughs> to turn into that. He starts chasing him around the court, you know? Yeah, that's thought, what we uh, need. That's old Big East. <laughs> uh, all right. And then Thursday, I got this one's got a question mark next to it. Uh, Rutgers, Purdue. I mean, it's Purdue bounce back, but also, you know, like mm. Rutgers is higher in the in the conference than Ohio State was. So I don't know. Uh, they're probably not spiraling, but I'm sure there'll be a few people watching for that. And yeah, then and got, Rutgers has had their number in the past. I mean, we, we all remember the Dylan Harper shot when they were number one in the country a couple of years ago. So I think uh, Rutgers is always, I mean, and Steve Peichel's trying to fight Kim Palm. So, I mean, <laughs> good God. I mean, I, I think he likes his team now. I, I would have been pissed, I think, if I were Rutgers, because now you're going to like, I don't know if you, how much you guys believe in this, but you're probably going to get like a refocused bounce back game from Purdue, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So yeah, of course. I, I of course. Like, Damn of it. Course. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe that stuff's all made up. But yeah, uh, Pico watched Jake Diebler. It was like, it should have been me. Like, it, it should have <laughs> been us. That was our time. And then yeah. uh, last one I got for Thursday, Washington State. Shout out to you, Tate, and uh, everyone in your life that loves them. And Arizona. <laughs> That should be good, right? If if that, uh, Washington State deserves be, to be with the big boys, right? We'll it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be a tough game because Mikhail is insane and Caleb Love. I mean, they just put up 105 points the other night against Arizona State. Basically killed Bobby Hurley in real time. Um, he's another guy to, to put on wellness watch. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a fun game. And they already beat Arizona. So it should be like a get right game for, for the Wildcats. But I swear the Cougs just don't go away. And they play like good fundamental basketball. And they, they kind of make the right play. And Miles Rice is a star, so uh, I'm excited. That'll be a fun game for Thursday. Definitely. All right, that's all I got. Those are all my games until Friday, and we'll come up with some better ones for this weekend. Yeah, I can't wait for St. John's Georgetown. That's going to be the match that we all need for our souls to make sure that Rick Pitino's okay. We'll be tuned into that one. This has been One Shining Podcast. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, uh, and thank you for bearing with us as we try to figure out what's happening in the world of basketball at the top of the show. But uh, we we don't know. We nobody knows. We're all just trying to figure it out together. Um, Again, we will be back on Friday, and we'll see you then.
Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.